When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate, King of Gate Update Edition. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling dedicated RSS feed or the Open the Voice Gate dedicated RSS feed on all the podcast platforms and applications applicable. You can find us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. And I'm joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Case Lowe. Case, how's it going? Another week, another set of King of Gate shows to talk about. We recorded an episode of Rewatch and Rewind last night that you will hear in your airwaves soon. And during that show, I decided that I wanted to drink a Sprite during the recording. Now, I am a man. I do not consume alcohol, even though I am now of age. Uh, I typically stick to three drinks, Pepsi, Sprite, and a combination of either Gatorade or Powerade, depending on what is available at that moment, I thought, you know what, maybe I don't need a Gatorade while I record uh, this rewind and rewatch. Turned out to be a huge mistake. Felt like it it just threw off my rhythm. I am back to the Gatorade, the Fruit Punch Gatorade to be specific. It's Mike, one of the top I'm players. So, I'm so, oh, it's, it's no lemon lime. The the lemon lime when we're talking Gatorade specifically, we're not talking about G two. We're just talking about Gatorade. Oh, I'm not going to drink a G two anytime soon. No, sir. We are talking about all natural Gatorade with the G. Fruit Punch is a serious contender. Not not a top tier flavor. Well, it, it is a top tier flavor. It's not the best flavor. I think again, those honors belong to lemon lime. But I feel a little bit more comfortable tonight knowing that I have a Gatorade by my side and Mike Spears on the airwaves with me. And now we got to talk about these King of Gate shows. I mean, nobody else is going to. We have to. You you know, I always have iced tea with me. It's one of those things that, like, if I ever have, like, I'm either an iced tea at this point or sparkling water, but I realize that sparkling water, I then immediately have to mute and burp nonstop. 
So well, and you you are an elitist of sorts, and you prefer to have your sparkling water and to feel above the common man like myself. Me, I usually I get store brand <laughs> water. I, I do I do go out and I did get Lacroix for a while, but Lacroix sucks. It, it's, it is it's a it terrible is like carbonated drinking water. Battery acid. My uh, former girlfriend, big, and we say Lacroix here. That is another huge. That's why I'm the common man, as I say Lacroix and you say Lacroix. Uh, she would constantly have me try new flavors she was getting, and every single one was worse than the last one. It is one I legitimately cannot imagine drinking that by choice. It is so bad and so gross. Now, I am not a picky eater, but I do consider myself to be a picky drinker. Like there's not just <laughs> there's not a ton of drinks that I like. I really only like Dasani water, and I've heard that's a bit of a hot take. It so tastes like the, plastic. No, Dasani tastes cool, crisp, and refreshing. That is what I'm looking for in a water. You're a college kid, so you're, that's the bald water you have on campus, but it's dirt. I have, like, I, I use a water filter, you know, like, and, and we have decent water here. So, like, it's usually me just making sure that there's, like, whenever I'm baking, I have decent water for that. But Dasani tastes like plastic, man. What's, what's your deal with that? It is my preferred water. I have grown up in a house that is loyal to Ice Mountain and the Ice Mountain Enterprise, and when I discovered Dasani, it was such a big game changer for me. Now, do I drink as much water as I should? No, of course not, because I'm a human, and after all, I can't be perfect. But when I am looking for H2O, when I am looking to hydrate specifically or just to cool off, I am reaching for the green cap. I am reaching for the Dasani water, because I think it is far and away the best tasting water there is. And if you disagree with me, please let me know at open voice gate or at underscore in your case on Twitter, one of the accounts, cause I have the password to both of them. I'll <laughs> respond to you from both accounts if I have to, but with all the turmoil going on, I would like to make my stance clear that in this world, I support Dasani water. I think it is the best tasting water there is. You're a lunatic. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I could argue with you weirdly about water and drinks. I did grow up in a Pepsi household, so I understand. As did I. No, I, I completely, and we are a rare breed these days. I take a lot of crap for my enjoyment of Pepsi products, but I stand by that as well. You, you know what it is? And I think this is a case of where my parents are from and where you're based in. It's a Midwest thing for Pepsi. Pepsi is a Midwest Midwest people, not mm. these coastal elitists, not these big city slickers. The real people of America enjoy Pepsi products, and that is what we are trying to explain to you on Open the Voice Gate. That is what we're all about. And what we're all about is this last weekend of King of Gate shows. We had night seven and eight. We're, we're getting to the, the, the end of this. We had the block finals. I'm just going to read off all the results, case, and then we'll get into our takes. Block A was Yamato defeating Diamante in 10 minutes, 21 seconds with the Frankensteiner of the Almighty. Block B was the big upset with Kaido Ishida getting the win over the Open the Dream Gate champion, Naruki Doi, in 14 minutes and 10 seconds with a schoolboy. Block C was Ada defeating Dragon Kid in 9 minutes and 31 seconds with Imperial Uno. And then on the next night, we had the second chance battle royal where Naruki Doi was the survivor. He is the fourth person. In our final elimination matches, he will be on the semifinals coming up this weekend. Other people in the Battle Royal were Ginky Horiguchi, Ryo Saito, KZ, Ben K, Dragon Daya, Jason Lee, Yosuke Santa Maria, Big R Shimizu, and Hio. And then we had the big UT return match where UT got a face off against the principal, the maestro 
of the dragon system in Ultimo Dragon. He would fall in 10 minutes and 52 seconds to the Mexican stretch. And Case, we were, after the second week, we were kind of down on the shows that we had. But week three of King of Gate, really there was only one match here that I felt like was massively underwhelming. What was your take on the weekend at large? I think you have to come away from it with a positive outlook on the tournament as a whole because that second set of shows were rough. I mean, there just wasn't a lot to get excited about. They felt lifeless. It began to feel like a slog as we approached the end of the weekend. These shows, considering that, you know, the first show, night seven, there were three matches on the show, and I would mark two of them as worth watching. And then night eight, where you have a battle royal that was shockingly fun and and really well laid out, and then a UT return match that was not a great match, but one, it was great seeing UT back. He had been gone for over a year at this point. The last match he wrestled was May 25th, 2019, before his return match against Ultimo. And, you know, we'll talk about it as we go along, but although the match was not great between UT and Ultimo, the stakes around it and the way it was worked could have been far worse than they actually were. So all things considered, I'm very happy with not only that match, but the weekend as a whole. It was a step in the right direction for Dragon Gate. Yeah, and it's one of those things that other than... This is where our picks diverged this th- this weekend because both of us had Yamato winning. I think that was like... If you were going to put money on this one, he would have been like the minus 800 person there. But then Kaido Ishida getting the big upset over Naruki Doi and and in a match where he did get it with a flash pin but it's the Brave Gate champion who's not defeated anyone of that echelon and gained the winning king of gate which is pretty long and then this Ada versus Dragon Kid match is my match of the tournament case I the I, Dragon Dia match Dragon yes. Dia yeah I, you see I it's still in my brain how much this was better than any of the Dragon Kid matches <laughs> so you, you come out of this and then the Battle Royal which was the most fun Battle Royal that they've probably done since they brought them back and then yeah UT and Ultimate Dragon, we talked about it at length where this was a match where we could tell a whole lot about both their opinion of UT and Ultimate Dragon. And if anything we learned, we learned that Ultimate Dragon was not going to eat him up, which I would say if, if we're like doing this on like a grading scale, I give it like a passing grade. You know, I give it like a 70. Like that's a C. It's not the A I wanted, but it's a C, you know, C for college. But it just was something that like, the, the match, the only match that I was really kind of disappointed in, and I, I should have saw it coming, was Yamato and Diamante. Like, that was the only block match that I felt like was underwhelming, but I still, I thought the finish that they did was pretty inventive with Yamato getting the Frankenstein or the Almighty out of the Vuelta Final. So I thought that was pretty smart. So I thought this was a strong weekend, and I thought that it presents a very interesting dilemma coming up for the, when they do the draw for the semifinals and finals. Yeah, so let's go match by match through this, just because there's not a ton of content yeah. to break down on these shows. I am with you that I think Yamato versus Diamante was the worst match of the weekend. I seem to like it a little bit more than others did. I certainly didn't think it was bad at any point. It just never was very good. And to your credit, I like the finish. It's all I have to say on that match. The result was never in question. Yamato, uh, if it wasn't for KZ... Yamato was the deserved and expected winner of the block. Fine in execution, but nothing worth watching, in my opinion. Yeah, it was paint by numbers. Like, you could, 
like if you were to sit down there and be like okay how is a Yamato versus Diamante elimination match in King of Gates going to go where Yamato is going to win it would be exactly this and you you probably be like okay let's toss in the, the cute finish to make it decent it's just what what it was I mean Diamante did not embarrass himself it just was out of the matches on the weekend it just was like the one that you kind of walked away from going like okay that happened I mean I went two and three quarters on it so as did I yeah so Mike, let's talk about this Ishida versus Doi match, which was the Brave Gate champion and Kaito Ishida versus the Open the Dream Gate champion in Naruki Doi. I, uh, first of all, loved this match. I think, with the exception of maybe Yamato, who did have two what I would consider to be borderline great matches, the first night with Saito and then the second round against KZ, other than Yamato, the only person that I think can reasonably be called MVP of this tournament to this point has been Kaito Ishida. And when I was watching this match and I was seeing Ishida, who granted has been pushed incredibly hard, was given a heel turn with a ton of build and a ton of intrigue, and then has succeeded in that heel turn. He's been pushed very, very hard and is clearly over with the crowd when they're there. But I was watching this match and I was wondering if Ashida is being pushed hard enough. Now, Mike, you are familiar with the Adam Ryland world of EWR and TEW and the way they rank wrestlers, you know, main eventer, upper mid card, mid card, lower mid card opener. Mike, in your estimation, if you had to assign a TEW like rating to Ashida right now, where are you slotting him in the order of the roster? I mean, if I'm doing TEW, I would put him at upper mid card. Okay, so I I would agree with that because I think if you look at the main event scene, the guys that are reasonably in top contention, line. top yes, line, player. top line in contention, challenge and win Dreamgate. I think Ultimo's there, but Ultimo's not in the title picture. You've got Doi and Yoshino and the Toriyaman generation. Susumu and Dragon Kid are kind of that upper mid card. That's the level we're looking at in terms of the Dragon Gate guys. I think Yamato and KZ are the top two guys there. With even Ben K, just you know, yes, he is a champion, but he is the Triangle Gate champion. I think he is looked at as an upper mid card guy right now. Ata is the only one in Red that I think is firmly positioned and treated like a main eventer with a combination of Hulk Shimizu and Yoshida filtering in and out of that scene. But for whatever reason, in my mind, I had Kaito Ishida as one of the small men on an already small roster. Because if Drangit guys ever venture out of the company, it is often striking at just how short they are. And, you know, yes, all of them are in good shape and they're muscular, but it's just a promotion that doesn't attract tall people per se. And I looked at Ishida as the bottom end of that spectrum. But then I started going on the Dragon Gate website. I was looking at the heights and the weights of the guys that we just mentioned, the Yamatos and the Yoshinos and the Doys and the KZs. And Ishida is right in line with all of them in terms of height and weight. Is taller than some of them, weighs more than others. So whatever stigma I had about Ishida, perhaps it's just the fact that it took him so long to develop. Perhaps it's the style that he works. I am not sure what it is, but I had been stigmatizing Ashida as a guy who, for how good he is and for how over he 
how over he is. I looked at his Bravegate title run as maybe the ceiling, with the exception of, you know, a prolonged twin gate run sure. that he could have later in his career. But now I look at Kaito Ishida, the way he stood up to Doi in this match, the way he looked credible against the top guy in the company. I think we have to start treating Kaito Ishida like he is, if not a top of the line, top tier guy right now, someone that will be there very, very shortly. Am I off base in thinking that Ishida can go up from this Brave Gate title run? Uh, let me read you an exact note I took during this match, Gase, just to show you my, my thought process here. And I said, Ishida is probably the first person after Pac left that I feel like can do a proper heel main event. I yeah. think I think he could be the guy. I think that whatever comes out of this when shows restart and they figure out what they're going to do with this whole three-way uh, generation war that sadly kind of got taken out by his knees by extenuating circumstances, Kaido Ishida could be the guy he could be the heel guy he could be the guy that when you think back about effective heel leaders you think about how Nuruki doi basically playing like the baiting heel you talk about how yamato being the omnipotent and omnipresent and then you think about like kaido ishida and he just has like this look of I thought he, he's looked more and more kind of like a serial killer in a way with like his cra his hair now I forgot which round it was but it, it was crazy out of control we had a lot looked a lot more like no there and I think the thing yes, about he, that is a very good point. He looks a lot like pro wrestling Noah's Cano now. That is, I was trying to put my finger on who he looked like, and that is exactly it. But I'd argue he's someone who's a little bit taller and in better shape. Like yes, yeah, cause I, Cano's pudgy. Like ultimately, like he is. He is too short to look as bad as he does. <laughs> so, so, like, the, the thing about Ishida is I think that he was someone that, I mean, he lost a lot of time when he had that neck injury, and he was slotted in with all the rookies when he was someone that, I mean, debuted at the same time as Takahiro Yamamura. So, I mean, we're talking about 2014, 2015, and, like, he had, like, the step back, and then really since after the breakup of Overgeneration, if you, like, want to, like, put him out on a graph— They've been slowly moving him up the card to a place that now he's in the middle of his first ever title run. He defeated the uh, Dreamgate champion. Yes, it was a flash pen and it was an interference pen, but it's still something that for him at his point of his career and his stature, that elevates him more so than if, if it happened to Ada, you're like, oh yeah, whatever. But for Kaido Ishida, that's a big thing. And you like think about like his size. The one thing I, I would say is he's someone that like I... It, it it might be like how much I watch like baseball and I see like minor leaguers and they talk about, oh yeah, no, they'll fill out the frame. They, they could put some muscle on the frame. Kaido Ishida could be someone that after this Bravegate reign happens, he could put on another 10 kilos of muscle. I mean, he could do the heel bulk club. And, you know, I think like whatever like physical perception thing is, is gone. And coming out of this, and especially for him now making the semifinals, there's a lot of ways you can go with Kaido Ishida. Like, of course, you still have that that singles match with Kisuke Akuda on the horizon that I feel like has to happen in some fashion. But afterwards, when you're, we're talking about what kind of shakeups might come out of this, I think you have to think about reassessing where Ada is and where Ishida is and deciding, all right, let's give this kid a shot here. Load it up with some veterans on the heel side and let him try to take over as leader because it could, it's worth a shot. Well, the direct comparison to Ata is why Ashida cementing himself as a main event player matters because 
your line of thinking going into this tournament was, well, they might have an empty arena or reduced capacity Kobe world. Yeah. So we might as well. We might as well throw Ata a bone and let him headline that show, which is the exact issue that the company was having in 2017 specifically because, oh, I guess in 2018 too, because, you know, Shingo leaves, T-Hawk leaves. Okay, shoot, now your top heel is Ata. And there was a dark period there before Pac came in where Ata was positioned as this dominating heel when he's just not. Ata is a weasel, and he mm. just is. And that's that's the role that he's best in. And if he was positioned in that spot, he would be so much more palatable. Because the thing with the Sheeta that we are now preparing ourselves to get in this mind frame is that Ashita could be a packed house world headliner one day. Now, if that happens, I do not know, but I think he has to be considered in that echelon of guys that realistically could do it. And you mentioned, you know, the flash pin and how it means more to Ashita than it would to Ata. That's because there is an, a, an air of legitimacy in the way that Ashita works. Yes. That I think credits him to that, but also, and his consistency for greatness. If you look at just these singles matches, forget the match of the year contender tag match that Ishida was a focal point in in last year's Kobe World Show. If you just look at his singles matches from the past year, it's the rookie ranking tournament, which he was involved in despite, as you mentioned, you know, Ishida debuts in 2015. And in 2019, he's looked at as a rookie, which in a way is insulting, but also could have been the best thing that ever happened to him. He's got a great match with UT, a great match with Shun Skywalker, who, by the way, think about this King of Gate tournament with Shun Skywalker in it. That is a, an entirely uh, just a, a different universe wrinkle that we are being robbed of with Shun still, to our knowledge, being stuck in Mexico. But Ishida has, you know, matches with Skywalker and UT, and he has a singles match with Ben K that I thought was really good. He has the title win against Susumu that was great. He has the title defense versus Jason Lee and the title defense versus Horiguchi. Kaito Ishida is deadly consistent in a way that now echoes the patterns of when he's on a Yamato or a Masato Yoshino or a Keizi. The thing about Dragon Gate, to me, the guys that make it and make it big in this company, they are awarded by their consistency. It is why Takashi Yoshida will never be a Dreamgate champion if he becomes one, God help us all. Because Yoshida is not a consistent wrestler. He is not guaranteed to meet your expectations. Kaito Ishida for the past year has not only been meeting my expectations of him, he has blown them away. And this match with Naruki Doi, while not a great match, I mean, I gave it three and a half stars. It was very good. But Ishida specifically in this match blew me away. Well, I mean, I think the thing you look at is, is the uh, Kobe World main event headliner, like, a reasonable ceiling for people? And with Ada, that's still something where I'm like, eh, you know, they could put him there, but I don't know if that's going to succeed at this. And whatever percentage it is, like, this is it's the highest the highest comp you can put on someone in Dragon Gate. Is, oh, yeah, you could put them at Kobe World. You can, you can put the weight of the biggest event of the year on their shoulders. It, it's not out of reach for Kaido Ishida. It's not something that I would expect in 2020. Of course, not this year. Or in 2021. But he's someone that he's younger than you think. 
and he's been putting it together that you could tell that they have plans and confidence with him. And it's enough so that, I mean, this weekend he will have at least one big singles match. So I'm excited to see where that goes. And you talk about people that they have confidence in. Dragon Daya. Oh, my God. Dragon I, Daya I, had my match of the tournament. That was my Dra- match. It was incredible. Ultimately, and I say this in my review at VoicesOfWrestling.com, this is the Night 7 King of Gates show, I let out an audible groan when Ata won this match, and it's not anything to do with Ata, because ultimately, when we are looking at wrestling from the lens that it is made to be viewed at, this kayfabe perspective, Ata did exactly what he was supposed to do. He was locked in with his character, and he had a very good in-ring night on this night. But it is also a slight on Ata that all I could think of after this match was said and done, God, the finals would be so much more interesting if Dragon Daya was involved instead of Ata. And again, Ata was great in this match, and he has potential with the, uh, we'll, we'll get into it, but the, the finals, or the semifinals rather, will be determined by lottery, so we don't know the exact matches yet, but Ata could wrestle Yamato, Ishida, or Doi which are all interesting matches on paper for various reasons. But Dragon Daya in that spot, just with the way he's worked over the past six or seven months, I know Daya would deliver against any of those guys and would create an interesting matchup. And I just don't have that confidence in Ata. It's the same reason that, like I just said, that Yoshida will never be champion. The same thing is true about Ata, and that is the biggest flaw of this RED unit, the Red, black, and yellow, which come August, will have been around in the company for five years now. They desperately need, at the end of this Toriumon generational Gate warfare, to break up and rebrand the heel unit. Because we're approaching five years of Berserk-Antios-RED combinations. Ata has proven time and time again that although he was great in this match, he is not the leader for this company and their heel units. And it's one of the things that when I say, oh, if this is going to be a low capacity or an MD or anything, the idea of him winning the King of Gate would be we can build him up to be perceived as this as he wins this tournament. But now I'm wondering, can he get that? Is that rub going to be enough? Because he's always someone that when people ask is like, he's booked as a one, but the fans see him as a two, if not lower. He, You're right when you say like he's a scumbag weasel and when you look at like how the units are and you look at how things are going to come out of this, I mean, you would have to assume that sometime Shun will come back, Yuki Yoshioka would come back, and then you look at like the rest of the roster and things like this, there's going to be some decisions that need to be made about, okay, who are these people who are going to be going with and preparing for because it, 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 they're going to be in a position here that when you see like a performance out of Dragon Daya where I went four stars on this match, I thought this match, for what it was, was excellent. I thought that it was some of Ada's better heel work as well. Like going after the fingers and having everyone react to the finger break. And then like the chemistry that these two have, it's just like doing the Peros into the Bible near fall was such a big moment that like I bought into the near fall there. And it was you... brilliant. That is the moment of the match that I really thought Dragon Daya was going to win. Not to cut you off, but oh, yeah. I just want to amplify my thoughts there that yes that that moment with the bible counter specifically is like oh god that is that is good professional wrestling i have missed that yeah and, and i guess like in a roundabout way of, of what i was getting to is we're already facing that idea that 
Masato Yoshino is going to be gone by the end of this year, most likely. And you look at like other people on the roster, other people they age, they have to get to a point where you have to feel comfortable with some of these younger guys. And we've seen some of it where they did the positioning reign in retrospect with Benkei. Like, very reminiscent of Shingo Takagi's first title reign. And now you have Dragon Daya, who is just about ready to take up the dragon mantle in the company. And then Ada, you look at Ada and you're like, well, what role really is there for you? Like, well, like on in the next generation, in five years, when we're talking about Kobe World 2025, what is, where is Ada? And I feel a lot more confident talking about where Daya is going to be where Yuki Yoshioka is going to be. Because he will be pushed when he comes back. They believe right. in Yoshioka. Yeah, but then you have Ada, who at that time will be in his, I think he'll be like in his early to mid-30s at that point. You're like, what, what's going to be the coming of that Ada? And I feel like that King of Gate has kind of been us grappling about Ada this entire time. But it, it's the question that like rings out in my head a lot. Lately. Well, it looms over the company. Right. And ultimately, this is, you know, this is my final thought on night seven. But picture a reality where Ata is going into this tournament as the Open the Brave Gate champion, and Kaito Ishida is titleless, and the sky is the limit. To me, that feels right. That is the way that I look at them as, you know, Ata could win the Brave Gate and they're five times. That's great. That is where he belongs. Ashida should be the defiant leader of this heel unit at this point. And it's, it's not that way and it's not going to be that way. And I, and I accept that, but the, the, and we have talked about it time and time again, the optics of Ata being positioned as the top heel guy in this unit is ultimately doing detriment to this company, despite the fact that he has great matches like the one he had with Dragon Daya. Yeah. Yeah. And it's something that this is a, this is a combination they should feel comfortable coming back to. Like that, that's yes, my I, other well, takeaway. I, I, one thing that I noted in my review was they did not wrestle each other as in Dragon Die and, and Ata. They did not wrestle each other once in 2019. They had no contact with one another. Now Dragon Die was hurt for part of the year, but there is not a six man, not a tag, not an eight man, not a singles match between these two. They did not touch for an entire calendar year. Now they've had interactions since the start of 2020, but I mean, even the empty arena Sambo hall shows, those just feel like so long ago that this felt like a fresh pairing and to see what they're capable of in a singles match. And given the natural built-in history with dragon Daya, dragon kid and dragon kid and Ata, this is a, this is a pairing they need to revisit. And this needs to perhaps become Ata's focal point for the foreseeable future, because this chemistry is stuff that I can get on board with. Yeah, I would love to see what a 15, like this match was the shortest match of the block finals. I'd be excited to see what a 15 or 20 minute match between these two could be. It could be interesting. With a crowd. With, with a, a crowd. crowd and commentary. I mean, this is crowd commentary. This is what we should be building towards. This is, I. this was, again, you know, I, I liked Yamato versus Casey a little bit better, but if you have not seen King of Gate at all, and you are wondering where to start, Start with Ata versus Dragon Daya. That was a phenomenal, phenomenal matchup given the empty arena setting. Yeah, and on my match list, which I've updated now through everything, it's pretty easy for me to do match lists now that it's that now we have like empty arena stuff here. I only have four must matches, and this is my most recent one, so it's worth going out of your way to see. But night eight, so UT is back, and 
we were kind of fearful or we were interested to see what happened and what i felt like happened more so is like this was a 10 minute match where the first five minutes was like all right we're just gonna go out there and grapple and see where things are going and, and that was totally fine and then it wasn't like a technical masterpiece which is you know kind of the house style for sambo hall at least during the prime zone days but it turned out to be like a pretty interesting match i mean with ultimo at his age and ut you know first match in a year i thought that at two and three quarters it was decently fine and it was a lot better feeling than it could have been yes the important thing to note here is that this could have gone far, far worse for UT than it did. Because Ultimo Dragon has eaten up people with a higher status and with far more talent than UT. And I love UT. Remember, I turned the corner on him last year. He went from a guy that I had no time for to a guy that I very, very much enjoyed. But Ultimo had a chance here to no-sell his moves, to shrug off his offense, to just present a demeanor. You know, Ultimo Dragon, and rightfully so, he is a legend of this entry. Ultimo Dragon exudes this level of greatness that if you can't match that, it will look so much worse in return because Ultimo will belittle you in the process. And I think Ultimo just being older, he's softened that a little bit. He's, he's no longer in a pushed position. And really, I don't think any company is in because he, he doesn't hold titles anywhere unless they're a fringe Lucha title that I'm unaware of. He's clearly cycling down his career. I think this match was a lot of fun for Ultimo to wrestle in. And it was great to see UT back going forward. I think UT is going to hopefully given, you know, the idea that shows will continue. I think UT is someone to watch in this generational warfare as someone who was on record, part of his story is that he idolizes a lot of the Toriumon generation, but he is also someone that I could very easily see turning heel at some point and becoming a more rambunctious sort of a hybrid of Yo and Kaito Ishida. I think UT could fit somewhere in the middle there, but we'll see. Maybe he stays true to his generation and continues to have great matches. Again, not a great match here with Ultimo, but it could have been so much worse. Man, I'm now now imagining a Triangle Gate team of complete psychopaths of Kaido Ishida, Hyo, and UT, and I'm incredibly here for it. That would be it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. He's going to be one of those people that, as this year goes along, will be interesting to see if they are just going to leave him where, start where he was at, which was a guy who was very much on the ascent, or if it's going to be like years past where UT probably has one of the more fraught injury histories in the promotion, which is saying something that they are going to be a little bit hesitant about him. I mean, poor dude. Like his, like, I mean, it's wild to think about. He's a guy that debuted right after Ada and T-Hawk and was in the same generation class as Yosuke. And this is kind of how it's turned out with him. Like that collarbone scar was something gnarly, but it was, but it's definitely nice to have him back. So this battle Royal was really a lot of fun like the way that they did it the way they staged it and even the eliminations which they're usually afterthoughts there i thought this was a good time battle royal and made sense naruki doi wins and goes through to the uh semifinals yeah this was shockingly exciting um i grew to really hate these battle royals last year they, oh, they were, were just not enjoyable and they, and they were they were a relic of toriyaman's past that did not need to be dug up. I was having a conversation with Chris Zellner on Twitter last week, 
because I was listening to one of the most recent Between the Sheets episodes that he and David Bixenspan do, and they were talking about Torimon and just how the aesthetic of the original Torimon promotion is still unmatched. I mean, no promotion looks or felt like that promotion did in 99 through 2001, 2002. I think there is a an aesthetic change when the T2P class comes in that I think makes it better for a time period, and then 2003 and 2004 happen, and things get a little bit rocky. So if you're going to dive into the Toriyaman archives and bring up stuff like this, or, or bring up stuff that no longer exists in the current state of Drangate, the Battle Royals are not something I would have gone to. I would have maybe gone to some more outlandish gimmicks, a little bit more diverse of an in-ring house style, because the Battle Royals, since they've been brought back, have sucked, with the exception of this match, which was, you know, it was 10 guys in the ring. There were many more than that. I, I don't remember the exact number of guys that drew a yes or no slip of paper out of a ballot box. It would be some 21. Go- 21. Yes, okay. So some got into the Battle Royal, some did not. And, you know, my pick, Susumu, uh, <laughs> did not get in. And I was so confused because I, I, I didn't see an English translation for what the rules of this match were. All I remember seeing is I was like, okay, I'm watching the guys take out these slips of paper. I thought it was maybe going to be a Royal Rumble style of match. And then it cuts to guys opening the paper. Some are excited, some are sad. And then it cuts to the ring. And I remember thinking like, okay, Susumu's not here. And I had my eyes on him specifically because he was my pick to win. It's like, well, maybe Susumu was doing all Japan. Like now I'm not confident that I saw him and it didn't even register with me that say, you know, a, a, uh, a K or no Casey was in this match. It just didn't register with me that like a Kai was not in this match. Cause I was so thrown off yeah. by the idea of Susumu not being in it. That's just my own dumb mistake. And I'm glad that was clarified before the review was submitted because I had a whole thing in there about not understanding the rules. And then while the review was sitting in the drafts, they were explained to me. Anyways, yeah, the the Battle Royal eliminations here. I mean, Yo eliminates Ben K, which was fascinating to watch. Uh, Jason Lee ate a huge shot put slam. Dragon Daya had a really exciting run where, you know, he eliminates Yo and then Shimizu immediately kind of flips the cradle pin that he had and pins Dragon Daya. And then you've got Shimizu, Maria, and Doi, and Logic would tell you it will come down to Shimizu and Doi, but Maria ends up eliminating Shimizu. And then as she is celebrating, Doi throws her over the top rope, gets the win. So the Dreamgate champion is back in the semifinals. A really effective and, more importantly, a really fun style of match. I was shockingly... Uh, I, I was shocked by just how much I enjoyed this. Yeah, it was, other than the Torimon reunion one, this was like the most fun one that they've had. So, And it made sense. You have Naruki Doi back in, and then that makes all three of our tournament favorites are still in the tournament here, and that leads us to what we're having this weekend. We don't know the matchups, so we can't really pick one. Who is the person you have the most confidence about walking out of Kobe this weekend as the 2020 King of Gate? I stand by my pick of Naruki Doi. Okay. He is he is the person that I had pegged to win this from the start. I did not have him going through the battle royal, but I did have him eventually winning. And Toriyaman history would tell us that the people that make it out of the loser survives battle royal match typically do very well in these semifinals and the finals. I think history will repeat itself, and I am still locked in on Naruki Doi as my pick. I think I'm dropping Ada. I don't think Ada now is... I think Kaido Ishida has done his job. He 
they've done what they want to do with Kaido Ishida. He's going to have, probably have a really exciting semifinal match. I think it's still going to be Yamato because they're going to have to sell some tickets at Kobe World. I can't. We don't know what Kobe World is going to be. It's still listed on the schedule as World Cannon Hall, but we'll see how attendance is going to be. I'm, I'm not exact on the uh, the phases they have for these shows. So if they're going to be running Cannon Hall with only being able to put like 3,000 people there, it's coin flip between maybe doing your idea of Yoshino or having Yamato versus Doi. I mean, I feel like that those are your likely Kobe World Finals final match or Dreamgate match there. I'm just going to throw out a nightmare scenario for you. Okay. And I just want I just want your thoughts on whether or not you think this is possible. Whether it happens, you know, we'll wait and see. I don't think it will. But given the state of the storyline, the generational warfare, where there are three units, there's the Toriyaman generation, the Dragon Gate guys, and R.E.D. Is there any chance, Mike, is there any chance at all that this becomes a convoluted three-way matchup between Doi, the top guy in the Toriyaman generation, Yamato, the top guy in the Dragon Gate army, and Eita of R.E.D.? Is there any chance that is the match that headlines Kobe World? Well, I can't dismiss it out of hand. That was the original plan for a three-way match at Kobe World 2008 between Shima, Hulk, and Shigeo Takagi. So I can't dismiss it out of hand. I would put it at pretty low stakes, but you know, now you've, now you've planted that seed in my head. <laughs> it's just, it, it, that that is exactly it. It yeah. is a thought that I can't shake. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, and it, you know, and if they're trying to find a way to get out of doing the war that'd be the way to end the war unless you're gonna be doing a crazy three-way 15-man match you know so yes wow. which i is is more unlikely but it's still the triple yeah. threat match i can't i i don't want that to happen i think that'd be awful if that happened i don't support that idea in the slightest it is something that i can't entirely shake yeah you can't dismiss it out of hand i i, I can't say that that's going thing and it just seems like that that's, yeah, now, now you have me dwelling on this case. Now, <laughs> I just, man, I could see that happen. I don't think, I don't give it a high percentage chance, but I could see it happening. I don't know if that's the right move. Well, we do know for sure that this is what is ahead of us. We have on June 6th, the semifinal pairings that will be decided to be a lottery. So like we said, the A block winner, Yamato, the B block winner, Kaito Ishida, C blocks, Eita, and the second chance battle royal winner and the open the dream gate champion mind you naruki doi those two semifinals matches will be on the sixth as well as the debuts of both madoko kikuta and soru fujikawa uh, they will be wrestling kenta kabune and taketo kamai and what could be an excellent tag team match i'm really excited to see that and then on june 7th all we have announced is the king of gate 2020 finals i am really stoked for this Kakuda and Fujikawa debut match. We get to see the Capoeira Master face off against the mini Naruki Doi and my main man Takeda Kamai. There's a lot. I'm really. I was kind of dreading this lad, the block finals after we had the very dry second week of shows, but I am stoked for what could come out of this next weekend. Yeah, it's. It, the possibilities in a way are endless because you've got four guys in the promotion that reasonably could win this tournament. You've got the rookies debuting, which I'm super excited about. And we get more Kento Kabune, who 
Uh, speaking of guys that could possibly headline world one day, it every everything I hear is that Kabune will be a top-of-the-line guy sooner rather than later. At least for the time being, things are looking up for Dragon Gate. Yeah, things are at a point where we will start seeing stuff. We don't have the July schedule ahead of us out yet, but we do have the big date on the calendar is Sunday, July 26th, as that is still listed as the date for Kobe World. And we should know this weekend, if there's going to be a Kobe World or something, we should know what the top-line Dreamgate match could be coming out of this weekend. And that is really exciting. Well, Case, we, we talked about when we first started doing this, it going to be 30 minutes. We went 45 here, but we, we had to argue. But there was stuff to talk about on the show. I mean, this this was, it felt good. There was juice to these matches and to these storylines. It wasn't the paint-drying King of Gate that we had seen previously sans a match or two. It feels good to be able to get fired up and talk about Dragon Gate. It does. Uh, some other day, I, I'm going to really like drill down your fixation on the Sonics. That just completely <laughs> is serial killer shit in my books. But yeah, we are approaching the end of this. We'll be back next week to talk about these shows. Okay, so what do you want to plug before we get out of here? Um, as always, the Twitter and Instagram at, or I guess not the not the Instagram. Don't follow me on Instagram. I'm on there, but don't follow <laughs> me. Um, but the the Twitter that talks about professional wrestling at underscore in your case, and the uh, Open the Voice Gate account at Open Voice Gate. And I'll I'll mention this one more time on the podcast because I realized last night that I plugged this organization on a podcast that won't come out for weeks. Um, so I I might as well give it a little bit more immediacy now. But if you are looking to uh, just help one of the many organizations that are doing good right now, and you'd like to help specifically the South Side of Chicago, I would recommend stompchicago.org, the South Side Together Organizing for Power. They do things such as working with the city to provide housing for low-income people. Uh, they provide mental health care, and they are looking to revamp a lot of the education in the South Side of Chicago right now. Uh, I am I am currently not in Chicago, uh, which is is both good and bad. Uh, it 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 really bums me out to see the the way, or I guess the shape that the city is in right now. But if we can all you know come together and and and, and whatever way that is for people, uh, at the very least you can give to a good organization, an organization that is has roots in the community and will be here uh, way after. Uh, just anybody passing by that looks at this as a week of issues rather than generations of issues, organizations like Stop Chicago will be here for the long run. So I'm not going to tell you what to do with your money, but if you're looking to get involved with Chicago, StopChicago.org is where I would turn to. Yeah, and I'll make sure to have a link to it in the show notes. I am at Fujihaya, like always. I have my match lists and my pen tweet, and that's going to do it here. So for case i'm mike and we'll catch you next time and open the voice gate take care